0: Well, we'll continue our series. Uh, Our series ends today, by the way. It's only been a two parter. So, we're going to continue on this series today uh, choosing to be blessed. Uh, How does God bless us? How do we choose to live in the blessedness of God? And I didn't realize this, but in Brother John's service, he was talking about God's way versus our way, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. And we didn't even talk, and we didn't compare notes, and it's not even the same passage. So I'm in Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. We're going to talk about how to be blessed. And you need to listen carefully to the text because it's really important. It's going to show us how to do things God's way and how to do things our way. And if you've ever done things your way, you're always disappointed. And I'm always disappointed because our way always blows up in our face. But God's way is the right way and the good way and the blessed way. So we're going to talk about this story where Jesus calls his disciples and they followed him. There's a story about a lady. Her name is Rosaria Butterfield. She was a professor at Syracuse University, she was an English teacher, an English professor and she was very hostile against Christianity. She was very uh, torn, Uh, she was anti-God, anti-religious, and she was just very vocal about her stance Against God, and her way was the right way, and she taught that way. But what happened to her when she began to share her way? Uh, this was about the 1990s when Promise Keepers was a movement. How many of you remember that, Promise Keepers? And so uh, there was a Promise Keeper movement of men becoming all that God wants them to be, and she called that a, a sexist movement, and she wrote a scathing article. About the uh, about being anti God and anti uh, the movement the promise keepers and so she began to spew a little bit more about how much she really didn't care for God. Well, there was a pastor who uh, was in her area who reached out to her and reached out to her and invited her over to dinner and they began to develop a relationship. Him and his wife began to just share with her and listen to her and find out what was causing her to be so hateful toward the things of God and how she used her platform of her way to teach English to let people know that she really didn't believe in God and she didn't care for God. Well, they continued this relationship, and as they continued this relationship, she found out that the pastor never condemned her, the family never condemned her, and then she encountered Jesus Christ for herself. She became, through those encounters, a follower of Jesus and even wrote a book how she was the most unlikely convert that there ever was. Now listen carefully, when you encounter Jesus Christ, no matter what you think about him at this moment, when you actually have a train wreck with the gospel and the gospel begins to impact your life and the Father draws you and you say yes to the Son through the Holy Spirit, then your life can be changed. You can live life God's way. And she wrote a book about that and it's amazing. And there's so many testimonies across the world of people who have actually encountered Jesus Christ, and he has changed their life, and that can be you today because old things are passed away, and behold, everything becomes new. So you can continue to go down your path and your way, which leads to disappointment and eventually eternal death, or you can choose to go God's way, and God's way is his way through his son, Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate price so that we could follow him, and then we could say, yes, I will, for the rest of of our lives. Luke chapter five is a passage about how God blesses his way. Now listen carefully. God is not obligated to bless my way. My way is my way. But God says, I will only bless that which I initiate. I will only anoint that which I initiated. So God's way is blessed. Man's way is cursed. So you can go either route. We talked about that last week. So we have the calling of these first disciples in Luke chapter 5. Here's what the text says. Let me read it to you. It says, so it was as the multitude pressed about him, "'to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret, "'and saw two boats standing by the lake, "'but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. "'Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, "'and asked him to put out a little from the land, "'and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. "'When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, "'launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. "'But Simon answered and said, "'Master,' We've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, not when they heard it, when they actually did it, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both, filled both the boats So that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Let's talk about God's way versus man's way. You see in this text, it's a beautiful story about how the Word of God is being effective. Jesus is being pressed with the crowds. Uh, This is the calling of the first disciples, and so he's getting pressed, he's getting pushed. People are interested, the crowds are interested in hearing the Word. And then he comes to Luke chapter five. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, when you think about the lake of Gennesaret, or Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee. It's the same body of water. It would be a body of water that would be, uh, you could hear for miles. If I was talking without a microphone, you could hear me from across the other side of the lake. So Jesus, with the crowds pressing against him and coming toward him, he knew that he kind of had an amphitheater there. And so he knew that he was able to use Simon's boat in this position. So this is very important to understand. So he saw two boats. And if you would understand the culture of that day there would be boat after boat after boat after boat after boat but why would Jesus decide to choose Simon's boat over other people's boats and that begs the question why does God choose to bless you or choose to bless me I can tell you this it's because of his grace it's because of his mercy it's not because we're good it's because he is good And he is gracious, and he is kind. And so God chooses to bless us based on the initiation of him initiating what his work wants to be in our lives. And so you have boat after boat, and then the crowds are pressing against them. And then it says in verse 2, notice the text. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And so they were fishing. Uh, this was the time that they would fish. And so you didn't fish in the day, you fished at night. And the, the uh, fish would come into the shore. So these guys were professional fishermen. And I think what happens here in this text is very important. Sometimes we are well educated beyond our experience and all that we know, and God is trying to get a message to us, and we say, But we're fishermen, but we know what we do. We're experienced. We have degrees in this area, Lord. We are the ones that understand what we are to do. So therefore, Lord, let me do things my way. And you know what God says to us? No. I know much more than you know, and Freeman, you may need to adjust your plans and your ways to fit in on what I want to do. So we can be professionals in whatever area we're in, but we must be willing to adjust to when God speaks to us because it doesn't always make sense, does it? You see, you can't move on with God if you stay where you are. You have to be able to move out, and that's what's fixing to happen in this story. So the fishermen had gone from him, and they were washing their nets. It had been a tough day on the water, a tough night on the water. And then notice the text. Look what it says in verse 3. Then he, there's two boats, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And asked them to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. So he's got two boats. He's got all these boats to choose from. He's got two, and he puts out. A, he tells Simon to put a little way from the shore. Now, Simon, if you can remember, he would be basically he would be in the water, probably on the shore because he's washing his nets. So basically, he's probably grabbing the side of that boat. And he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, but he's also listening to the message of what God, what Jesus is saying to him. So the text says he got into one, and Simon, the word Simon in verse 3 means hearer. It means to be a hearer. So why would he choose Simon's boat? Because Simon was a hearer. He was listening, he was holding on to the boat, he was being obedient, he put it out a little from the shore, but while he is holding on to the boat, he's listening to the message of what Jesus is saying to the crowd, because Jesus has kind of an amphitheater setting, because the the, the rocks and, and all the setting around this lake would kind of move up, so his voice is expressing itself across all the Sea of Galilee and the Lake of Gennesaret, and then Simon is just holding on to the boat. It's like me speaking right now. Some of you are holding on to the boat. You're listening to a message for everyone. In the 930 hour, as Brother John was teaching the message, everybody was holding on to the boat. They were listening to a message that was for everyone. But what really gets exciting is when you hear a message in a crowd like this, but then specifically God hones in on you or hones in on me and says, but this is specifically what I want to teach you out of the everyone crowd. I'm going to the somebody and the somebody is you. Here is the really good news today. You're hearing a message that's for everyone, but specifically the Holy Spirit is going to hone in on your life today and specifically tell you exactly what he wants to communicate to you. It's a message for for everybody, but it's going to be somebody for you specifically. So the good news today is that some of you that are here and you don't know the Lord is your Savior, that specific message of God's love communicated directly to you is for you today. You can receive the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and you can follow him. Others of you that are followers of Jesus, you can hear the message, but when you put out a little from the shore, he's going to go a lot further in this text then God's gonna give you a specific word out of the everybody to the somebody. Notice what the text says. Verse three again. He asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And so Jesus gets in the boat for the purpose of declaring the word. He gets in the boat of your life and he gets in the boat of my life for the purpose of declaring the word. So we're kind of like a pulpit, if you will, and he gets into our life so that he can declare his word to people, so that through your life and through your possession, through whatever it is that you do that God has called you to do, and if you want to do it God's way, he wants to use your life as a vessel and a voice for him to touch people and reach people through. That's how much he loves you, and he'll give you a specific word. He'll say, just put out a little bit from the shore, and we're hearing that message, and we're holding that message, but then there's a further message, so he gets into our lives for the purpose of declaring the word. Now, notice what the text says. It even goes more specific than that. When he stopped speaking, I'm in verse 4, when he stopped speaking, the text says, he said to Simon, now remember Simon's name means hearer. He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. So you see the progression here. These are imperative commands. Uh, The first one is put out a little. Then the second command is launch out into the deep. So here's what's important about understanding of hearing about God's word. What God does, what Jesus does in this passage is he repositions Peter. it's not enough just to hear the word of God. It's that you should work the word that you hear. So in order for Simon to hear the word, he put out a little. In order for him to work the word, he said, I want you to launch out into the deep. Do you see the progression there of obedience? Do you see how God wants to use your life and use my life? He wants to do something great. Uh, Christianity is deep water living. It's not minnow-sized living. It's whale living. It's out there in the deep water where God wants to take us so that he can show his power right through our lives. And so he tells him, just launch out into the deep. So it's not enough... To hear the word, you now, Simon, need to work the word that you hear. And that's important to understand. And then he gives him another command. Notice what the text says. And let down your nets for a catch. Now, is this a miracle? Or is this God's providence? Were the fish already there and Jesus said, Now drop them? The blessing is yours. If you just drop the net, the fish are already there. Or did uh, they throw the net and, the, and Jesus bring all the fish from somewhere else? Here's the answer to that yes. Yes. He's a God who is sovereign. Now watch this. They launched out into the sovereignty of God. And here's what the sovereignty of God is. God can do whatever he wants to do. And he wants to do it in your life. And he wants to do it in my life. If we will do what the song says, yes, Lord, I will do it. I will not only put out a little and hear the word, but I will launch out and work the word that you hear. I will do whatever you ask me to do. And when there's deep water, there's a deep God. There's a God who loves me, who's not gonna leave me out there to fend things on my own. He's in control and He's in charge, and He wants me to launch out into His sovereignty and to launch out into His providence and to let down your nets for the catch. So the blessing was already there, and all. Simon had to do was launch his net down into the blessing that was already his. And that's the way the blessings of God work. They work with obedience. God blesses obedience. He never blesses disobedience. There are times in my life when I look back where I did things my way. And here's what I would do. I would come up with something that I thought was a good idea. And then I would go ask God to bless the idea that I came up with. And God says, I'm not obligated to that. Then I understood what God was trying to do. He said, no, you let me come up with what I wanna do in your life, Freeman, and then my blessing is already all over that which I come up with, because I'm only obligated to bless that which is mine, not what is yours. And so this morning, you could be here this morning and say, you're heading your way, you're trying to get the blessing of God. But it's not going to happen because it's what you want. This is your idea. You came up with it. You know, in, in churches, sometimes we form a committee, and we ask them to come up with an idea, and then we ask God to bless that committee and bless that idea, and God says, no. Here's the way it works. It's Henry Blackaby. He said, you adjust your life to where I'm already working. You put out, and then you launch out, and that's where I'm at. You can go where I'm at or you can go your way. So I want you to see here in this text, obedience and therein lies our problem. We're just too smart. We think we know everything. These guys were professional fishermen. This is what they did for a living. So what God had to do is he had to reposition Simon. You see, the the right net was already on the right boat. But in order to use the right net, God had to reposition Simon in a place where the net could be used to catch the fish. And so what God does in our lives as we surrender to him and as we say yes to his will, he repositions us in order that we can receive the blessing that he already has in place. So that's why it's important to follow Jesus, to encounter him. Launch out into the deep and let your nets down for the catch. This is important to understand. So the key word is... Put away from the shore, and then launch out to the deep, and then work that word. Now, look at the text. Here's Simon's answer, and this is where I answer too, and this is what you answer oftentimes. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, which is a term of respect, basically teacher, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Can I tell you what nothing means in the Greek? Nothing. It's a big fat zero. Zero. They didn't catch zip. It was a zero. And he said, master, and he tried to do it in a respectful way. Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Now let's stop there. And that's a lot of times the way we approach God's work. We say master out of a term of endearment and a term of respect. And we tell God what we have done. And he says to us, but my ways are higher than your ways. And Freeman, you're going to have to adjust your life to follow me. You're going to have to trust me beyond what you can see. That's what faith is. It's trusting God, being at the point of desperation. And it says here, I want you to circle a word here, the word we. Master, we have toiled all night. If you had a we in front of describing your profession in that day and in that culture, you were an expert. These were professional fishermen. These guys we're really, really good. This is what they did for a living. And if you had a business partner, which Simon did, if you had a partnership with other people, it meant you were at a whole nother level. And I think that's what gets us in trouble. We think we know more than God does. We really think we're smarter than God. And we even say things like he did. Master, we've done this this way all of our lives. Listen, you just stick to carpentry, and you just stick to teaching. That's what you're an expert at, but we're an expert in fishing. So you stay to your world, I'll stay to my world, and that's just not the way it works because God knows much more than we know about ourselves, and we have to trust him. We have to get ourselves in a position where we put out a little, where we launch out to the deep, and when we're out there, board, body, and all, we are trusting God to do his sovereign work in our lives, which is going to bless people for the kingdom. We have to get into a position where we trust him, and we say, Master, we've done it this way. Master, look at the text, we've toiled all night. You know what that says? They're tired. They were tired. They had been at this fisherman stuff all night long. And they were professionals. They knew what they were doing. And they were tired. So Jesus comes to them in their expertise of what they were professionals about. And he says, in their expertise and in their experience, he said, are you willing to do things my way? Are you willing to do things my way? Are you willing to trust me? We've toiled. They were tired. And it says this, and they caught nothing. Nothing. Look at the text. Nevertheless, that's a huge word. You want to circle that. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will do what you say. I will let down the net. All right, this is the theology of nevertheless. At your word. When the Lord speaks a word... So this is, this is the Logos word. This is the written word of God. But when God speaks a word to you specifically in your spirit and in your heart, it's a rhema word. It's a word that comes from the word, but specifically it's for you. And that's what was happening here. They said, at your word, I will let down the neck. In other words, we've tried this way and we have failed. Have you ever been there before where you've tried it your way and you failed? Failure is not final. I'm a living testimony of God's grace. Failure is not final. God is not a God that is gonna leave you in your mess when you surrender to him and you look toward him and you say, Jesus, I cry out to you in desperation for you to do in me what I can't do. He will take your life and he'll put the pieces back together, even the broken pieces, and you just say, nevertheless, Lord, at your word. So when the Lord speaks a word to you, and a word to me. It's a word which means at your word. I'm going to position myself on your word. I'm going to position myself on the written word of God, but that specific word that you have given me, I'm going to stand upon it. That's what it means. Because they had fished. They had toiled. They were tired. You know, one of the worst times you can approach somebody is when they're fatigued. And Jesus walks into their life in the midst of their tiredness, in the midst of their fatigue, and he says, now listen, you've tried fishing. And I don't know anything about fishing because he doesn't, but he's God. So he says, now I want you to know, I want you to do things my way. I want to know if you're willing, Simon, to do things the way I say to do it. Now you're telling professional fishermen how to fish. That doesn't rest very well. But the beautiful thing about this is when we come to a position where we say, Lord, I'm going to do it your way, no matter what it takes, no matter what it costs me, no matter how many friends I lose, I'm going to do things your way. Some of you have tried some relationships your way, and they have blown up in your face. You know what God is saying to you today? Now, why don't you try it again, but let's do things my way. Let's do things my way. You date someone that has a like relationship and a heart for Jesus Christ. You get someone who is not unequally yoked, but equally yoked with you. And you tried a relationship that you shouldn't have tried because you really wanted that relationship. But today God's saying, now you try another relationship, but you do it my way. You trust me. Maybe it's a business venture. Maybe it's some business venture in your life. And you say, you know, that thing just blew up in my face. I did it the way that I wanted to do it. And God says, I got good news for you today. Try it my way. Do things my way. See, the issue is, are we going to do what God tells us to do? Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I will do things the way that you want me to. Now, Understand this, in this passage of scripture, I think Simon was afraid of a crowd. I really do. I know he was the one that was always out front. I know he was the one that was kind of the leader and the speaker of the group, but I think he was actually afraid of the crowd. And I think in that setting where Jesus was giving him these instructions, I think he was thinking, if Jesus is really who he says he is, and I trust him, it's going to work out okay. But just in case I fail at this, I'm just wanting everybody to know that it's his fault, not mine. Think about that. I really think he was afraid of the crowd because you remember he ran, he hid. He he was really disturbed with crowds. And so I really think this was a test for him. At your word, I will let down your nets. Now this is an important point to understand. I'd rather risk other people's laughter on the shore and get my blessing then miss my blessing and please everybody on the shore. Do you know that some of you here today, you're a follower of Jesus, but you're in the wrong boat, and not only are you in the wrong boat, you're with the wrong crowd. You can get in the right boat with the right crowd today. You can change crowd. You may want to change crowds before God decides to change the blessing that he had for you, because that blessing's only going to come when you walk in obedience with him. The blessing comes with obedience. The blessing comes by saying yes to the Lord. So, failure doesn't determine my future. The Lord does. But nevertheless, let failure not be your guide. So, this is important. So, God says, try it again, this time my way. Do you trust God enough to do what He says for you to do? When is the last time you obey Jesus? just because he said so. Just because he said, you do this and you didn't say anything else, I'll do it. I will trust you, Lord, I will do that. So he's basically saying in this text, look at what the text says. So it says here that blessings comes from obedience and Simon says, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down your nets. I like Jesus, nevertheless, Not my will be done, but yours be done, Father. Not my will, but your will. So that's what nevertheless is. Nevertheless is saying no to my will and saying yes to your will and I will build my life upon the word that you have given me and I will let down the net. That's what the text says. Now look at verse six. When you and I began to be obedient to Christ, when we do things God's way and not our way, then Pete, not only do we receive a blessing, but other people get blessed because of the blessing that we have received. It's important to understand. So we don't just receive the blessing and say, oh, this is so good. God has blessed me. I'm just going to hold on to that blessing. No, we receive the blessing that God has for us in obedience in order that we might release that blessing and bless somebody else. Is that not right? That's living proof of a loving God to a watching world. We're here to bless people with the blessing which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so what the text says here, verse 6, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. It says, when they had done this. Now, write this down. Hinging on the unreasonable lies the unexpected. Hinging On the unreasonable lies the unexpected, the blessing of God. That is a beautiful thing here. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So what happened was God was trying to get a blessing to them. And it's the same way that God's trying to get a blessing to us. If God can get a blessing through us then he can get a blessing to us. Because if he brings that blessing to us, he knows that blessing is gonna be a conduit and flow through us. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. As you walk with him, as you talk with him, as you get to know him in relationship and fellowship, and God blesses you, when you're obedient to his word, then he wants to take that blessing and he wants you to be a, a river and he wants to flow that blessing through you. So when you receive the blessing, you can begin to bless other people and you can't do that with a closed fist. You have to do that with an open hand and an open hand comes with obedience. Do we really trust Jesus to do things his way? So the text says they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So you've got uh, breaking nets, You've got a sinking boat. This is very important here. And notice what the text says in verse seven. So they signaled to their partners because they were professionals, because they had a successful business. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so they began to sink. You will never have a ministry that involves other people until you have a message of being willing to do what God tells you to do. You'll never have a ministry that involves other people until you have a message of doing what God wants you to do. I want to ask you a question this morning. What is it that God is asking you to do? You're hearing the word. But are you working the word that you hear? And when you work the word that you hear, it comes out in obedience to him. And so when you want to ministry to other people, then you have to have a message of being able to do what God has told you to do. The reason that we're here today is because our pastor, and I know he said he's had three visions. One of them was pizza. No, that wasn't right. That one of them was not pizza. No, uh, to get the church out of debt. Do you know that for those of you that are visiting here, everything here is paid for. Everything's been paid for because back in 1975, God gave a message, his message to a man. And that man was obedient to carry out that message. Now listen to me. And today we are blessed to be able to give 30% of the budget ministry money that we receive here through your faithful tithes and offerings to go straight to the mission field because it doesn't go to pay a note on a debt. Aren't you thankful for that? A ministry, a ministry that involves other people must be preempted by a message of being willing to do what God wants you to do. And Brother John is still here and he has a birthday tomorrow. You can hand him $100, shake his hand and be on your way today. That's what Bill Cole said in the first service. Okay, so that's important to understand. So this is where the text says. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled the boats, so they began to sing. See, the first boat was already full, so the second boat could become full. The first boat was already full. It was full of blessing. It was full of God's providence. It was full of God's power. It was full of God all over because God is the one, Jesus is the one that said, hey, drop the nets here. But God never does something in our lives that he doesn't want us to turn around and release and bless somebody else. So we receive the blessing and then we release the blessing. We're not takers, we're givers, right? We give out of the overflow of what God has done because God has blessed us in such a beautiful way that the second boat was only full because the first boat was already full. And that's important to understand. So this morning, when you think about your life and I think about my life, I wanna ask you a question and I'm pointing at me. Am I willing to do what God tells me to do in order that God may flow his blessings through me To somebody else? Is there a message that God has given you? And it's a specific word that he's given you to do. And it doesn't say in the text when they heard it. It says when they've done that because that's what obedience is. Is there a certain message that God has given you? That if you will respond in obedience to him, then you will be all that God wants you to be. For some of you, We see these beautiful baptisms, and God is at work in an amazing way. But some of you have trusted Christ as your Savior, but you've never followed through in in baptism. And it's a beautiful thing. It's all about obedience. Emory says it this way. Everything after salvation is a step of obedience. Is that not right? So you get saved, you get baptized, and then God says, okay, now I'm going to shed just enough light for you to see the next step, if you will trust me. If you'll trust me. So some of you might need to be baptized. Others of you this morning really need to encounter Jesus like Rosario Butterfield, the professor at Syracuse. In other words, the gospel is being preached. Uh, The truth is you've never responded in faith to the gospel message. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life today. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want to follow you for the rest of my days. And it begins with a relationship of bowing before Him and saying, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I trust you today, come into my heart, forgive me of my sin, and I will follow you. Yes, I will follow you, Lord. For some of you, that's the decision that you need to make. Others of you, it may be a decision in your business or in your family, but the most important thing is, are we gonna do things God's way or are we gonna do things our way? That's what's important. We can do things our way or we can do things God's way. And it's important that we understand that God's way, listen carefully, always works. God's way always works, doesn't it? It absolutely does. It always works. What God initiates, he anoints, and what he anoints is blessed, and when he blesses those of us that are surrendering to him, then our lives are never, ever the same. It's important to understand in this text. Notice what, let me go to verse eight, and then I'll be finished. Here's what the text says. When Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus just blessed a man that had missed the mark. Simon Peter had missed the mark. You obviously know it. He fell down. He fell down because he understood that Jesus was holy and that he wasn't holy. And so when you trust Christ as your Savior here's what you understand, that God is absolutely pure and holy. He's righteous. He's perfect. And I am sinful, and I am unholy, and I am unrighteous. And then we bring, our right, we bring our good works to Jesus, and we say, but how about this? And he said, there is filthy rags. You can't bring me anything that's good enough or anything that's bad enough. You, you just come to me. I'm the holy one you bow before me and you trust me, and when you trust me and you follow me, I will give you as a gift my holiness. When I take the sin out of your life and I place my Holy Spirit in your life, then all holiness lives in you and lives in me. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the power of the Holy Spirit. So God has loved us into a position of holiness and it makes sense that we could live our lives from the position that we've been loved in. Is that not right? He's loved us that much into a position of holiness. So Simon says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. God just, Jesus just blessed him, but he knew he had missed the mark. And all holiness comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this morning as we wrap up, have you ever invited Jesus into your life? Has there ever been a point in time where you have received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? Have you ever followed him? Have you ever followed him when his Holy Spirit is drawing you to himself? Have you said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Yes, Lord, I want to trust you as my Savior and as my Lord. If you have never done that, maybe this is your very first time you can trust Jesus today as your Savior. We have some cards in the pew. uh, pew. It's not a pew, it's a seat. In the seat in front of you. And you can just check the box right here. You can say, for the first time I've invited Jesus into my life as my Lord and Savior. God does not force his will on you. He presents his will to you. And his will is for you to be saved. He desires for you to come into a love relationship with him. And all you have to do is receive the gift, the free gift of salvation. And then the joy that's yours, the peace that's yours, uh, the comfort that the Holy Spirit brings is yours. And when you do things God's way, you've got his power and his energy in your life. If you've never done that, trust Jesus today as your personal savior. Maybe following in baptism. Maybe you'd like to join this church. Whatever it is that you need to do today, we want you to start out this new year Following Jesus, just like Rosario Butterfield. Maybe you're even against God. Maybe you say, I can't stand the things of God. Here's the thing when the gospel hits you as a train wreck, you can surrender to it because God loves you very much. Through His Son Jesus, He loves you with an everlasting love. Would you just bow your head this morning as I close in prayer? We have a couple of things uh, to close out the service. But for some of you this morning, Maybe you would just confess and be honest that you've done things your way. You've gone on your path with your people. You're in the wrong boat with the wrong crowd. And the end result of doing things your way is separation from the God who loves you and sent his son to die for you. And this morning, I'm going to ask you to consider getting in the right boat with the right person who is Jesus Christ. Would you receive the free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ has paid for your sin on the cross and that he's the one that today you can choose to follow? And when you choose to follow him by faith, you have just rejected your way. You're going God's way now. If that's the decision that you need to make today, would you just, when we leave this service in a few moments, would you just go out these doors, these exit doors, turn to the left or the right into a little safe area called the connection area. There will be people outside waiting to receive you in your new life. Just tell them, I want to trust Christ as my Savior. Or I've already done that. I've prayed that prayer. But you go there today because they want to help you. They want to encourage you. We want to talk to you about next steps of obedience. The key issue today is, will we do what the Lord wants us to do? If you're already a follower of Jesus and you want to have a ministry that involves others, would you along with me ask yourself the question, do I have a message of doing what God has already told me to do. Would you work the word that he's told you to do and not become a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word? Would you walk in obedience and joy and peace and passion and heart because God's working in and through your life? What is he telling you to do today? Maybe follow through in baptism. Maybe become a member of this church. Whatever it is, God will give you the power to do it. Father, take our time of decision and may it be for your good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.